So when we started doing this podcast, we wanted to stay close to home, and and we realized Missouri, while it might have quite a few stories, we were going to have to branch out and go a little far afield. We've traveled to the Himalayas to talk about the Yeti, and we've went to the Van Meter, Iowa, to talk about the Visitor. We've gone all over, but we're trying to bring it a little closer to home with this episode. We're going to talk about one of those locations in the haunted heartland. Uh, In the town of Atchison, Kansas, not too far from Kansas City, you have the legendary Sally House. The Sally House. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So like I said, about an hour northwest of Kansas City is the town of Atchison, Kansas, which is said to be the most haunted town in the state of Kansas. Makes the list, several of the lists. Um, Since the 19th century, bizarre happenings have occurred in the little town, and it has been known for ghostly sightings and paranormal stories for a long time. Uh, One of the most famous of these locations is the Sally House uh, at 508 North 2nd Street. Uh, I don't have a problem putting the address in because apparently the Sally House is a well-known tourist attraction. And it is currently not occupied. And yeah, they're doing daytime and uh, nighttime visits. Yeah, it's almost going to sound like maybe we've entered into some kind of advertising agreement with them. (laughs) We're definitely going to plug the town of Atchison and some of this stuff. Uh, Believe it, we're not being sponsored or anything here. We're just saying, you know, if you want to go and do this, it is an option. Now, I will say, um, if you do choose to visit, there is a waiver that is required uh, due to potentially uh, for your own personal injury. Uh, Though no serious injuries have been reported since the last tenants in 1993, they will make you sign uh, this affidavit. Yeah, so the Sally House was built in 1871, and although it never belonged to anyone with the name Sally, it did get its name due to a a heartbreaking story that happened in the the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, with a young little girl named Sally. So the home did belong to a physician by the name of Dr. Charles Finney. He had his office downstairs, and he lived upstairs above above the offices. Um, now, the story goes that one day, a mother knocked on Charles Finney's door and had her six-year-old daughter with, with her, and her daughter was named Sally, mm-hmm. hence the name of the Sally House. According to the lore and legend, yep. Now, she was suffering from severe abdominal pain, and, and Dr. Charles Finney had diagnosed her with an appendicitis. And due to her, I'd say, advanced state, he was very, very concerned that if they didn't do the surgery as quickly as possible, this young girl was not going to survive. Yes. Now, you know, when the appendicitis, when you have appendicitis and the appendix erupts, it it floods the body with toxins. Mm -hmm. And even with our modern medicine, usually that that is not something you recover from. I personally went through that myself. Uh, As I was on the operating table, my appendix burst. And I was in the hospital for about a week uh, still trying to get that poison out of my system. My understanding is they basically, and and this is going to be a little gruesome, so if you want to plug your ears for a moment, but my understanding is if that happens, they basically cut you open and they take and they clean everything by hand. So if you can imagine, that's got to be horrific. But anyway, being concerned that she wasn't going to make it through the surgery, uh, he frantically began work before the sedatives had set in, before before the before anesthesia, anesthesia or whatever. 
Now, she she screamed, obviously. She was in horrific pain, unimaginable pain. And then her screams were immediately cut short, and she died on the operating table. Uh, the official cause of death was of shock and blood loss. Very tragic. And now, I will say, being the historian, there was another local historian that dug into this, and he claims that he has researched the area during that time frame, and there was no record of any six-year-old girl or anyone around that age named Sally also in the area. Now, that's a pretty vague comment, I, I felt. I mean, it could have been somebody traveling through the area or, you know, well, or whatever. But just to say there was absolutely nobody there by the name of Sally, you know, maybe Sally was a slang word, you know. Or well, and, and again, nickname. we're going back to the 18-somethings, you know. Documentation records are not as detailed as they could be. Yeah. But I he mean, was adamant that well, there was no girl named yeah. Sally here. And, so. and honestly, a lot of the stories that come from, from Atchison, you hear that a lot. Like, oh, no, there's nothing to historically support this. And maybe there's not, but, you know, Atchison has to make its money. Yeah, right. So, don't take that away. Yeah. Don't, don't be poking holes in these good stories. <laughs> That's why we do what we do. Uh, many people believe that when you are in the Sally house, there is a child spirit that comes across on EVPs, and they chalk that up to this, this little girl. Mm-hmm. And obviously she died under tragic circumstances, so it's and understandable. As from what I have saw and read, she does relate to the name Sally. Yeah. According to a lot of people, this is an absolutely 100% true story, and it's gripped visitors and residents of Atchison for a while and has created an atmosphere where the Sally House has become a very, very popular attraction with hundreds of people coming every year just to visit the Sally House. Well, and as you said, it's made like America's most haunted list, several different lists similar to that. I think you said earlier there's been no no injuries to anyone. But, um, the hauntings really kind of came into the public forum and really kind of became popular at the Sally House when Tony and Deborah Pickman moved into the home with their, their new baby back mm-hmm. in 1993. Yes. I'm going to show my age here, but I was still a young man in high school in those days. But they had a dog that they moved into the family with them, and the dog would growl at nothing, especially, you know, if they tried to go to the upstairs nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had a lot of unusual experiences in the house. I believe a lot of objects in the nursery, balls and toys and the like, would move on their own. And apparently that nursery does seem to be a focal point. In the Sally House. Even today, if you go there for the visits, uh, you'll see a lot of stuff online with videos. Uh, the nursery's decorated with a lot of toys. Yeah. Uh, like in a circular motion, and it's said that, you know, Sally or the the child's spirit will move toys, play with toys, roll balls, you know, that well, kind of thing. And even to this day, you can't get a, even a trained, you know, um, service dog. You know, they're not supposed to I've leave their master's it. side, and they will not they go will in that room. They will not go into that particular room. So I read that. That room has something about it. Now, for the Pikmins, things things took a turn, and especially for Tony Pikmin. Tony yes. seemed to be the focal point of whatever activity was going on in the house. You, you had stated that no injury had occurred. Actually, 1993 was the last known injuries well, that occurred. Yeah, no injuries since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, Tony was uh, the victim of violent attacks but, you know, other things happened in the house, too. Fires would break out at random. Uh, objects would move when men came close to them, especially Tony. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony had a lot of personal attacks against him specifically. He would hear unexplained voices quite often. He would watch candles seemingly light themselves. Mm-hmm. The, he, he felt random cold spots all over the house. He also reported, like, chest pain, sore throat. Um, he would have scratches yep. appear on his chest. Scratches and, and bruising, yeah. She, Sally or whoever, did not like him. Uh, two of the two of the more dramatic events that Tony recounts is he remembers walking by the stairs one time 
when he felt like he was lifted and pushed down the stairs by an unexplainable force. The one that he describes most vividly is he remembers dreaming about being pulled out of bed by a little girl, and when he woke up the next day, he had fingerprint-like burn marks on his arm where she had grabbed him in the dream. Uh, now, the spirits never did attack his wife and child as far as that was documented, as far as they reported. Mm-hmm. And I believe Deborah Pickman has gone on to become a paranormal investigator. Uh, she's part of an organization that's kind of based there somewhere in Kansas, I believe. And this story has been on all kinds of TV oh, shows. countless, countless. Yeah, they actually had called in the Kansas Paranormal Group, uh, and that may be the one that you were thinking about. She may Deborah be associated with joined. it, yeah. Uh, but they're in the 90s, 1993 era, when the Pickmans lived there. They uh, had all the strange occurrences, including the tax on Tony, unexplained voices. One thing I thought was weird is you had mentioned candles that would ignite, but also there were like fingerprints in the sides of the candles yeah, is yeah. the way I understood yeah. it. And some people referred to them due to the size as being like a small hand, a, a child's hand or whatever that. It would be kind of hard to explain, but almost like their hands were melting the side of the candle when they lit it. it that maybe? seems to be unusual for hauntings. There seems to be reference to burns and burning. And yeah. Un- yeah. Unexplained fires, the candles lighting themselves, the burn marks, which, if you ask me, is not a hallmark for good things. No, no. And obviously there was some animosity towards men in general, but in particular Tony. So maybe this ghost Sally had something done by a man, you know, if it was the physician, obviously we could maybe understand that, but maybe men in general, maybe well, something ha- had happened to her in another, another time frame. Well, according to the Kansas paranormal group, Sally, the little girl, Sally is not the only spirit that resides in the home. Yes. They also seem to, they think there's a middle-aged woman mm-hmm. who uh, seems very angry and violent when compared to Sally. It may not be Sally at all that was right. attacking Tony. They seem to think this middle-aged woman was definitely behind the motives of most of the attacks. And I have I have heard that on other places, that, that there are more spirits than just the spirit of Sally. Like, the little girl is the one that, that most people know, and she has her tragic backstory, but there, there are more spirits present in the Sally house. And I'm actually going to talk about another podcast a little later on uh, when we get to that point. But, yeah, there there's... There seemed to be more than just Sally and that and the lady. Now, in your research, did you come across any possibilities of who the middle-aged lady was? No, this, this is really the only reference I found to her, that they, they believe there was another spirit, but there was no reference to who she could have been. In some of my research, I had that it actually was possibly Sally's mother who felt wrongdoing of her I daughter, like so it. she had stayed to, to maybe watch after her I daughter. I can see that. I can understand that. So, apparently, the new owners, the Pickmans moved out in 1994. So that seems to go without saying after going through all that. Just a few years. Yeah. <laughs> We've had enough. We're tapping out. But the the next owners after the the Pickmans, they they never reported a lot of paranormal activity. They would occasionally feel some cold spots and had what they called odd occurrences, but never really expanded on what that meant. So well, and I think they even they reported saying that whatever is here, there's no violence or there's there's no hatred or animosity here. Whatever is here is peaceful. Yeah. So I was originally brought to the Sally House story by listening to a podcast called Astonishing Legends, which is hosted by a couple of guys roughly our age and with seemingly similar interests. And they went into more detail. They they did, I think, three or four episodes on the Sally House. And if you're interested, they're out there. You know, you can find them. But what really fascinated me about the Astonishing Legends part is that one of the hosts was sort of a skeptic going in. Like, he liked these topics. He found them fascinating. But when you talked about ghosts, when you talked about hauntings and things like that, he was kind of... 
you know, he leaned more towards a lot of this stuff's kind of made up and there's explanations the unbeliever. for it. Now, they went to the Sally House. They had an invite from a local paranormal group that, hey, we'll pay your way, I think is how it worked, but you come with us. And we'll set up and we'll do a full-fledged investigation. By so, the way, Bill and I are totally game totally for that. Totally open if for that. anybody wants us to come check out a haunted area, please, <laughs> please reach out to us on our Facebook. We have a Facebook We do page. have a Facebook, the same, same name as the one you're, you're finding this on your podcast server or whatever. So, yeah. No, I think I said when we started this that my goal was to be invited to something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That I would consider us a success. I would be all over that. So anyway, back to the, the Astonishing Legends, they, they did this podcast, and the guy who was kind of skeptical, they went in, and they did the, the investigation. They set up a bunch of things, you know, they set up recorders in different rooms, and then they did the real whole, you know, full-on official thorough investigation. And at one point, I think it was the nursery, he felt like he had, uh, he, he had a bad feeling while he was in there, and he left, and then he, he had to go in there for something. There was something he had left behind, some item that he went back to retrieve, mm-hmm. and when he went in, he he felt totally like he had to get out. Like, he walked in, and he immediately felt unwanted. He immediately felt like he had to leave. It was terrifying. I believe it was like a... And I don't want to I don't want to quote because it's been a long time since I listened to it, but almost a soul-draining experience to him. Oh, wow. Like, he left. He didn't feel good. He felt wore out. And I think he said he was so exhausted, he, he slept that, you know, when he went to bed that night, he couldn't sleep, he had bad dreams. But that wasn't even the part that really got me. What was really interesting was when they went back and they listened to their EVP recordings from that day. If you've ever done EVP, mm-hmm. you know they're not always obvious. Sometimes different people listen to them, they get different interpretations, they hear different things. But everybody was like, when they heard this, they're like, oh my God, we have to let him know. And you can hear that, like, he's from an, in another room. He kind of, t- oh, hey, I got to go grab something. He goes in, and when he started to have that horrific feeling and he felt uncomfortable, there is a very deep, dark, distorted voice on the EVP that is speaking in an unrecognizable language. Now, again, he said he was not a believer. He was more towards the skeptic side of things. But when they played the EVP for him, he said it almost felt exactly the way he felt when he was there that day. It, it physically drained him to listen to it. He didn't ever want to hear it again. He heard it that time and he said, I'm done. I will never listen to that again. He said, we can put it on the podcast, but I'm not the guy that's going to edit it in. He said, I don't care. But he, like his partner listened to it and was shaken. They play it on their podcast on one of the episodes about the Sally house. If you want to hear it. And there may be isolated audio of it out there somewhere. It is really chilling to hear. I used to listen to their podcast with, with, with regularity. And uh, when I heard the Sally House recording, I I listened to it like two or three times. I I would stop and back up. He experienced it, and he's like, I never want to listen to it again. Bill's like, oh, yeah, play it again. Okay, Play it again. Okay, but in my defense, I wasn't there when it happened either. (laughs) I I guarantee if I'd felt the way he did, I wouldn't have done that. Get away from me with that. And he literally said on the podcast, he goes, this is the moment that I switched from skeptic to believer. He said, hearing that, knowing what I experienced that day. So the Sally House has the ability to convert you. Changed him. And so that's, that's something that I've always found. Like well, it, and ultimately, it, I mean, th- I think that's what any ghost hunter, I know when I got interested in the paranormal research, you're trying to prove to yourself, I think, more than anything. Yeah. You know, I want to have that experience. I, I think I believe in it. I want to believe in it. I, you know, there's a part of me that's at least 50-50 split, but then you, you want to seek out that event, that occurrence that will just change you and wipe away any shadow of doubt. And it sounds like this, this gentleman yeah. found that. Yeah, he found his moment, which, uh, and I'll sit here and I'll, I'll sit across the table from you knowing that our history and the things we've done, I'm waiting for that moment. 
I know that I've had a couple of experiences that I find hard to explain, but I am waiting for that. Like, this is undeniable for me. I still haven't been there. I've had a couple that definitely leaned me more towards the 75% I'm a believer. Oh, I'm this side of 50, but I'm still (laughs) not there all the way. So, but we go back to the Sally house. um, And again, people go to the Sally house. Hundreds of people every year go and visit that. And so here's just a list of, of the known activity that's been experienced by people in the Sally house. Uh, they've seen pictures turned upside down, uh, floating objects, disembodied voices, full apparitions, toys being thrown around in one of the bedrooms, doors opening, closing, locking, and unlocking on their own at random. Uh, these spirits can cause physical harm. They've left burn marks and scratches on people. People have seen dark moving shadows. There have been EVPs. Uh, increases in the electromagnetic field. That is why you bring your EM, EMF EMF meter. Thank you, Eric. Uh, temperature fluctuations, equipment malfunctions, including batteries draining from full to dead, light and scent phenomenon, strange smells, strange light flashes, sweet tobacco, perfume smells, that type of stuff. Hair pulling, odd substances appearing on the basement floor and walls, uh, feelings of being pushed, um, again, we, we, we talked about train, train guide dogs that refused to enter the nursery. I mean, this seriously is like, you're, you're checking all the yeah. boxes of, well, of ghost hunts. Full bodied apparitions. And then, uh, the, the scariest one possession people have claimed to have felt possessed. And I believe even in the case of, uh, the Pickmans, I believe Tony said that he felt that he had been possessed at least one time while he was there. He was, I think he even supposedly attacked his wife with a knife or it was brandishing a knife against someone at some point. Well, I was going to say after they moved out of the house, I did find a few references that they felt that they had taken something from the house with them and they still had a few paranormal incidents, nothing to that volume. But even after they moved out of the house. But the Sally House is open to the public for visitors and ghost hunters. There are two ways to visit the Sally House. You have self-guided tours, which I think are relatively inexpensive, about 25 bucks. It's like an hour self-guided thing. And then you have the overnight stays, which uh, me and, and a co-worker looked at the other day when we were talking about doing this episode. It's $150 per person. That's pretty pricey. So it's got a price tag yep. on it. Again, like you said, you have to sign a waiver against personal injury, although there's been no significant injuries since the, the 1990s, Pickmans. yeah. You have to be 18 years or older. Uh, you, you, The house has uh, electricity and water and stuff like that. If you intend to sleep there, you can't sleep on the bed. You have to bring a, a sleeping bag, and you have to sign saying that you will leave the house the way you find it. They ask that you don't show up intoxicated, and you cannot bring any beer or But you or can drugs. leave intoxicated? Oh, oh, No, 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 oh, you can't bring anything I thought you, you just didn't show up intoxicated. Okay. <laughs> so, again, it sounds like we're kind of shucking for them, but we're not really. Unless they want to invite us. Yeah, if they want to invite us, we'll go. We'll definitely take that option up. I will say um, the nursery in particular seems to be the hot spot. We kind of we kind of touched upon that. Some of the incidences that individual ghost hunters and paranormal groups have uh, have seen there involves particularly, it sounds like, a, a bear. And from the pictures I saw, it was, uh, for those people who might be familiar with it, a stife bear, which is an antique bear. Uh, would resemble like a, a Winnie the Pooh that is jointed that could stand or set. And this particular bear, like you would put in the circle of stuffed animals, kind of in the room, as I had mentioned, that seems to be kind of a focal point. But the bear would then get removed out of the circle and put like on the bed or the nightstand. Or if they would take the bear out and they would put it on the bed or the nightstand, you could close the door, go back 30, 45 minutes later, and the bear would be then in the circle in the room with the other stuffed animals. Another incident I thought was kind of peculiar was 
again, kind of imagine a th- two, three foot circle made up of stuffed animals in the and kind of in the center of the room. And one particular ghost hunter took a lot of pride in staging the all all the stuffed animals facing each other in the circle. And then later that night, not, no one was up there. They had the door closed. They had uh, EMF and, and everything going. But when they came back up, all of the animals were facing outward. <laughs> so th- they had their butts towards each other, basically, <laughs> in the circle. I thought, well, that's kind of strange. You know, kind of poltergeist, prankster kind of stuff. But again, you know, you had mentioned doors opening, closing. Uh, that would be kind of thing similar to a, a child haunting. I, for one, my wife and I, we lived in a, in a Victorian house here in Lebanon. Uh, it was three stories built by one of the uh, railroad uh, company presidents that came through. And I swear that house was haunted by a small child who had lived there. Underneath the main stairway that led upstairs, and there was a servant quarter stairway that led up out of the kitchen. But this, this is the main kind of wraparound that would be in the, the parlor room as you entered. Uh, I was in there one day. We were, I think it was actually about this time of year, we were getting the Christmas tree out to put up. And for whatever reason, the door closed while I was under the stairway. And it was a decent sized little storage area. And on the back side of the door, the first time I'd ever saw it was like chalk, colored chalk and like ABCs and one, two, threes. And this little girl's name who had lived there. Uh, now, ironically, it wasn't during the time frame when it was built in the 1890s. This would have been like in the 1960 time frame, but a girl that we knew that had lived there. And apparently she hung out and played there underneath the stairs. But from that point on, we had lived there for at least a year or more. It was very common. You'd be upstairs in bed or you're getting ready to go to bed and you'd hear that stairway under the stairway door open, latch, close. <laughs> the light underneath there would come off and on. And it was one of those pull string deals, so it, it, it was weird. But nothing ever occurred until I was in there getting out the Christmas decorations that year. And then from that point on, it was like I acknowledged it, maybe. And then you could lay there in the bed, and on the third floor, which was unfinished, you could hear someone walking, and you could hear the you know the wood creak and, and everything. And it was kind of a joke between Sarah, my wife, and I. We'd be kind of laying there, and we'd kind of just turn the TV up a couple notches or something and just try to ignore it. And, you know, it's like, it, it's okay. Well, I know I've told the balloon story on our podcast, but I, I told you this one not that long ago, and maybe I've mentioned it on the show. I don't know. But not that long ago, uh, my oldest, um, Alex, he's uh, he doesn't go in for all this stuff. He doesn't listen to the podcast. Uh, he, he He's, you know, he's not into monsters and ghosts and, and things like yes, that. Yes, folks, you did hear that right. Bill yeah, has a son named have, Alex, and yeah, I have a son, Alex, who helps Alex's. us set up record. But, uh he was in talking to his mom one day and my wife believes in these things. She doesn't want anything to do with them, but she does believe. And she wholeheartedly believes our house is haunted. And I'm willing to acknowledge that some things have happened that are a little on the iffy side, but I guess they were, he was in our bedroom talking to my wife when she said something about it felt like a hand had touched her leg the night before while she was trying to go to sleep. And my son goes, mom, there's no such thing as ghosts. And as soon as he said, never say never, the, the TV in our bedroom turned on of its own accord. And my wife just kind of motioned with her hands like, you know, huh? What do you uh-huh. think of that? And he goes, yeah, that's, I still don't think there's any such thing as ghosts. And he left. <laughs> and again, my, my son, just not that long ago, he uh, he had gotten home from a, a, a band thing. They had gone. My wife works the concession stand at, at local football games, and they had gotten home. I was at work. He was the first person in the door, and he went to go to the bathroom when he thought he heard someone in the bathroom. Well, he didn't know if maybe someone had got in there ahead of him or whatever. You know, that's kind of weird. So he knocks on the door and he hears an answering knock from the other side. And then he's like, then he sees, 
you know, my wife and my daughter come into the living room. So he yeah, knows. Immediately you're thinking somebody in the family yeah, is pranking he me. He knows he's the only other person in the house. And if they're in the living room, so he opened the door, nobody. Rut row, Reggie. So my family wholeheartedly believes the house we live in is, is haunted. And, and like I said, I've had a couple weird experiences, but I haven't had that, you know, nail in the coffin on like, yes, this is for sure a haunted place. Right, right. So now that we've gone a little bit on a detour there, the Sally house obviously, you know, has this, this history of being haunted. Um, but Atchison, like I said, kind of thrives on the idea that the whole town has a, a paranormal history and has all these haunted locations. They do a lot of different things to bring in tourist dollars. They have uh, haunted seasonal events. Uh, they do these haunted trolley tours that, that begin at the Santa Fe Depot and kind of take a one-hour tour of the town and the different haunted locations. That kind of sounds like Eureka Springs, Arkansas. They do similar to yeah. that and ghost, ghost deals. They do the Haunted Atchison Mystery Tour, which uh, includes four of the most haunted locations. You go to the historic Mount Vernon Cemetery and then do a walking tour there. You go to the historic Sally House. They have what they call the History Mystery Walking Tour, which I don't know what that encompasses exactly. And they go to the Haunted McIntyre Villa, which I'll talk about a little bit more in detail in a minute. Uh, they do have witchy weekends in the fall. Witchy they, weekend. They say, get your girlfriends together, dress in your witchiest costumes. They have themed shops and food stalls throughout the downtown area where they serve witches brew and, and you know, uh, souvenir mugs and Cauldron things like that. mugs and stuff, I'm imagining. <laughs> The one thing that I thought sounded really interesting, part of these witchy weekends, they have apparitions of Atchison on the porch of, and I love this name, the Tuck You Inn. <laughs> uh, and and you, you'll love sit it. down and you'll you'll sit on the front porch and, and you'll hear some ghost stories while you enjoy a warm beverage. Ooh. Uh, so I, I love the, that that is a fantastic name, for, the name. for an inn. The, the 1889 McIntyre Villa. I found it to be kind of interesting, and I want to add it here since it's in Atchison, and I kind of wanted to branch out just a little bit from the Sally House and kind of talk about the town as a whole. But the McIntyre Villa was one of, it's considered one of Atchison's most unique residences. I think it's had a lot of different um, architectural influences over its time and some renovations that kind of make it look like a very different kind of home. It was built in 1889 and 1890 for John McIntyre, who was a pioneer businessman of the area. Uh, it was a huge, impressive brick residence, and it was constructed for an estimated cost of $14,000 at the time. That's so a lot of money inflation, for that time. Yeah, that's a, that's a buck or two. Uh, his first wife died while they lived there in 1892. He married a, his second wife, a widow with three sons, in 1895. Uh, after he died in 1902, Anna continued to live there until her death in 1916. There's not a lot of tragic history to the house, but it's still listed as one of the more haunted locations and I'm going to go through and, and, and read some of the, the the things that supposedly happened here, which I believe you can do tours of this house, too. Lights seem to turn on and off in the tower, which, as as it stands now, does not have electricity. So that's but obviously... But there's light. Uh, figures have been seen in the window when no one is home. Uh, a speaker was thrown off the counter and boxes were moved of their own accord. Uh, a rocking chair that uh, Goldie, and I don't know who Goldie is, again, there was not a lot of detail that I found... But a rocking chair that Goldie died in has been known to rock back and forth on its own. There are sounds of slamming doors throughout the night, footsteps walking down the hallway and on the second floor throughout the night. Uh, a lot of people feel an uneasy feeling on the second floor as though they are being watched. Items move from one location to another. Uh, Doorknobs turn and creak. Lights turn on and off. Temperature changes. Male and female voices. Uh, the door to one of the sitting rooms upstairs opens on its own, and a shadow person has been seen in the room at different times. 
and uh, the scent of a powdery women's perfume and a hint of cigarettes when there's no smokers in the home. Well, it sounds like Atchison's really got it going on. Well, since I always do have a kind of an issue with smells because they can be trapped in certain substances and, and you know, wood especially tends to absorb some smells. So I'm always kind of iffy with that. But a lot of those other things, you know, especially the tower that has no electricity and lights coming on and yeah, off. That, that's kind of hard to explain. That's a little, little different. All right, folks. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. This is yet another example of what you will find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. And as I had said, if you want to communicate and reach out to us, we do have a <laughs> Facebook page, so uh, we are open for invites. We, we would love that. Like I said, I I always said I would consider us successful when we got invited to talk at a at a convention or got invited to go on a ghost hunt or something like that. So, but yeah, we're we're more than willing. We are here. Thank you very much, everybody. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.